Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Joining me now is Tyler Voigt. He is the Deputy State Director at Americans for Prosperity North Carolina. Welcome back to the program, Tyler. How are you? Hey, Pete. Doing great today. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. So uh, let's get right to it, right? The big announcement or the, the big celebration, I should say, is that the uh, the North Carolina House has uh, voted to expand uh, school vouchers or opportunity scholarships. I, I, by the way, let me ask that real quick. Whatever happened to the to the term vouchers? Why did that fall out of style? What, what did, did we just adopt the, or or do we run from the language of the left because they they pilloried the term so much? You know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I think uh, I think opportunity scholarship is, is definitely very, um, it's it's definitely different than vouchers. I guess I think it's uh it's come to be the just accepted terminology down at the general assembly. So I think they've just ran with it. Yeah. Um, just as a, I, I don't know if, uh, are you next to some electronic equipment or something? I'm getting like static buzz on the line or a, a clicking on the line. Yeah, right. I was hearing that too. Let me try to move. Oh, you hear it too. That's weird. Yeah. Are you being, is somebody eavesdropping in on you? It must be. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You got some whistleblowers. I'm not sure. It may just be a bad sell. Um, all right, we'll see. All right. So the opportunity scholarship, it passes the house. Uh, and this was a bipartisan vote. So apparently a lot of Democrats are racist, too, which is weird, I thought, because uh, that's the, obviously that's the only reason anybody would ever support the Opportunity Scholarship Program. So um, I'm curious, though, what do you say in response to this argument that, uh, I got to be honest, I've been following the issue for many, many years. I've never heard the vouchers are racist argument until this year. Uh, so what's your response to this, what, what I would say is a new argument from opponents? Well, I think it's a convenient argument for them to make on a lot of things, um, and it's also an argument that you and I both noticed to be patently false. Um, when we talk about we, uh, wanting this for every kid, we mean every kid. There is no um, other other use that we are. Other, there is no other uh, test that we look for. We want this for every child in North Carolina, and it's important because every child needs they need their own unique schooling to meet their needs. So there is no other, like I said, test that we're looking for on this. This is for every kid. It's called Choose Your School, Choose Your Future Act. Some of the other criticism I've seen is that, oh my gosh, parents are going to choose a school that I don't like. Um, they're going to they're send their kids to a religious school, uh, or they're going to send their kids to a school that doesn't teach what I want that kid to learn. And uh, so what's your response to that criticism? Well, I think we need to trust parents. Parents know what's going to be best for their kids. They they care about their kids more than anybody. They're going to know what kind of educational needs they have, what kind of gifts they have that can be nurtured in, in an individual and unique environment. So they're going to be best the best person to choose that. So what school a parent picks, I think we need to trust them to make that choice instead of bureaucrats drawing um, just, or just, just lines in the sand or just lines uh, across the county somewhere. We need to trust parents to make this choice. And so explain also that this is an expansion of the program, and now uh, more parents 
of higher income levels are going to be able to take advantage of it, right? Yeah, every parent is going to be able to take advantage of this, every parent in the state. Um, and this is something that we see as um, there are no high-income kids. There, there may be, like I said, some, some TikToker out there who's got billions of views who's making that kind of money, but there are no high-income kids. These kids deserve every right or every chance that all the kids across the state are getting. So we see this as equally attributed to all kids. We want every kid to be able to get it. Um, why aren't more people using the program? I think the number I saw was like 25,000 students that are currently uh, using the Opportunity Scholarships. Um, although, they're like, I guess it appears... Something happened, I'm not sure, like over the last year or two, where uh, enrollment in the Opportunity Scholarship Program spiked. Uh, I don't know what it ever could have been due to, but um, why aren't more parents taking advantage of it, do you think? Well, I think uh, parents were probably a little worried when you have a governor who campaigns on eliminating the program, that if they start using this program, they're going to put their kids in a school and the government, the governor is going to just pull the rug out from under them. So they didn't have that assurance that this is something that was going to be a continued program. Now that the General Assembly is really putting this in stone, putting this, giving parents the assurance that this is going to be for every kid going forward, I think more parents are going to feel more comfortable getting into it um, and, and worry less about a governor who's campaigning on and promising to take this away from kids. Are schools accountable under this program? That's another criticism we hear all the time from opponents. They say, oh, they're the schools that you want to send them to, they are not accountable. Uh, and at least with the public schools, they are. Yeah, I, I think that's another ridiculous argument. I think that these schools are the most accountable because they're accountable to the parents. If, if a child is not getting the education that the parents are signing up for, that they're looking for for their kids, the parents have every option to change. So they're accountable to the parents making that decision. So saying they're not accountable is taking all ownership away from the parents over making the decision for their children. And it's going to bleed money away from the public school system. Why are you trying to defund all of these public schools uh, and you don't want them to have any money? Well, I think, again, we want a just complete array of options for, for kids. We want to see public schools succeed, too, in every single way, because for a lot of kids, that is going to be the right option. For most kids, I would argue, at least right away, that is going to be the right option. So every, every, North Carolina is better off when public schools are successful. But that's not the right option for every kid. We understand that. I, I don't think there's anybody out there that would say that it is. So we need to open that up so kids have the availability to go to a school that meets their needs and gifts, uh, whether that be private, whether that be public, whether that be homeschooling. We just need to make sure that those choices are available for parents. Otherwise, we're just kind of shoehorning them into a one-size-fits-all system, and that's just not going to work out in the end. So homeschoolers, do they, can they take advantage of this program, too? Right now, uh, this is just for uh, children who are going to go to uh, a, a school of choice. Um, it's something we'd like to see open up in the future, um, but right now, this is just expanding the Opportunity Scholarship. Okay. All right, so where does it go from here? Well, I mean, from here, we, it passed in the House yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we likely will see uh, the Senate maybe take it up. I know the Senate has put it in their budget. The Senate has been uh, just as strong of champions on this issue. I mean, we saw that every single senator and every single Republican, every single Republican senator, excuse me, and every single Republican representative signed on as a sponsor of this bill. So support is strong across the board. 
Um, so what we hope to see is uh, is this get worked out, this get passed. We we will see a potential uh, veto from Governor Cooper. He kind of campaigned on that. He's been sending out some tweets. Uh, calling out the program uh, wrongly, so we likely see a veto and then potentially a veto override. But right now, the amount of sponsors that are on uh, on both bills, the Senate bill and the and the House bill, we should be able to see um, we should be able to see that overridden. Um, so so hopefully, within a month, we're we're celebrating this passing one way or another. So all right, and I think I said um, that there was how many Democrats signed on? I should uh, right let me now just one. Right so there's only one. one in the House. Yep. Who is it? Uh, Representative Willingham. Okay. Um, so is is is, is Willingham going to go uh, wobbly on this? Well, that is uh, that's not my decision. I would love to see that vote stay strong, mm-hmm. um, but but we shall see. We'll see what happens uh, down the road if uh, it comes to a veto override. Right now, we'd love to see the support. Um, we'd love to see more Democrats support it. We know this is a popular issue among Democrats, uh, whether whether representatives are going to say it or not. We know this is a popular issue across the board. So we would love to expand the amount of people who are going to support this. And that's a conversation we're willing to have because we see this as, as, as not a partisan issue at all. We see this as an issue that's really going to help kids. Tyler Voigt, the Deputy State Director at Americans for Prosperity, the website americansforprosperity.org. Uh, as always, appreciate your time, Tyler. Thanks so much. Congrats on the uh, on the victory here. Thank you, Pete. All right, take care. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a very big win. I remember when they instituted the Opportunity Scholarship Program. 2000, uh, well, yeah, 2014? Yeah. And, uh, man, 10 years down the road here, and here we are expanding it. Fantastic news. And um, I don't know Representative Jeff McNeely. He's a Republican state representative from Iredell County. But um, he had uh, he's a colorful dresser. I will say that. Loud colors, vibrant patterns. But, uh, yeah, not a good floor speech, buddy. Uh, not a good floor speech at all. Well, it wasn't even a speech. He was trying to ask a question of... Representative Abe Jones, Democrat from Wake County. And Abe Jones, I don't know if you remember, uh, but uh, during the debate over the uh, the bill that increased the penalties for rioting, Abe Jones, who is a retired judge, gave a very good speech, I thought, uh, in defense of raising these penalties. And he was calling out his fellow Democrats that were, you know, oh, what? I'm not sure about this bill, they would say. And, uh, you know, what if somebody is just like standing there, then a cop comes up and charges them with this. It could ruin their lives. Like, and, and he responded like, we all know what this is. We all know, like these guys came through downtown Raleigh and tore it up. And that's not right. You guys would never allow this to happen in your neighborhood. You would want punishment in your neighborhood. But for some reason, like we have to take this soft on crime approach. And it was a great speech, I thought. He got a, he earned a lot of respect from me um, because of that speech. And because he was willing. He's the way he, I played it before. And he, he started off saying, like, I don't know if I'll be around after I give this speech. Because I think he was appointed to fill an unexpired term. But he has since won the seat outright. Well-respected guy. 
All right. And then Jeff McNeely. So this was during the debate on the floor over the Opportunity Scholarship Program, expansion of the school vouchers. And Abe Jones is against it. Okay. McNeely is for it. I don't know what McNeely was trying to argue. I have no idea. But whatever it was, this is what it sounded like. Representative Jones, does the gentleman yield to a question from the gentleman from Iredale, Representative McNeely? I absolutely will yield. Yes, he yields. Representative Jones, I want to ask you the question is, I understand that you went into public school and you went to Harvard and Harvard Law. And the question, I guess, is... uh, would you have been able to maybe achieve this if you were not an athlete or a minority or any of these things, but you were a student trapped in a school that the slowest, you know, in, in the wild we'll say the, the slowest gazelle does not survive, but yet the herd moves at that pace. So the brightest child sometimes is held back. And don't be point of order. Jim may say this point of order. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping I wasn't the only one that got shocked by that comment that the only reason you went to Harvard is because you were black and an athlete. I did not say that. I said, would that did that end up being one of the reasons? I do not know that. I asked okay. him this. Right. I asked him this. Okay, all right. I don't mind answering. I don't know what you were asking there either. At first, I thought, is he asking a question there about maybe Jones wouldn't have been able to excel academically if he was being held back, right, in a failing school? That's where I thought he was going with that question. And then there was this other thing about being the athlete, the minority, and and then that was uh, the... Uh, the House Minority Leader uh, Robert Reeves stood up and asked, "Like, hey, wait, wait! I just want to be clear. Like, did you just say what I thought you said?" And you could see everybody in the gallery, like all the Democrats, they're all like grimacing and like eyebrows up and just you know expressions of shock. And McNeely, you could tell he starts reading the room as he's <laughs> as he's talking, and he knows that what he just said has not been well received, shall we say? And the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, did not allow him to continue. He said, basically, you are no longer recognized to continue your remarks. Um, now, I do have a response here from Abe Jones. I, Like I said, I am not, I have no idea what McNeely was, was driving at with that question. I really don't. I really don't. We'll take a listen to it again. And we'll hear from Abe Jones and his response. Representative Jeff McNeely, I'm going to play the audio again, see if we can decipher what it is he's trying to get at, what his argument is. It did not go over very well. Representative Jones, does the gentleman yield to a question from the gentleman from Iredale, Representative McNeely? I absolutely will yield. Okay. Yes, he yields. Representative Jones, I want to ask you the question is, I understand that you went into public school and you went to Harvard and Harvard Law. And the question, I guess, is uh, would you have been able to maybe achieve this if you were not an athlete or a minority or any of these things, but you were a student trapped in a school that the slowest, 
You know, in, in the wild, we'll say the, the slowest gazelle does not survive, but yet the herd moves at that pace. So the brightest child sometimes is held back. And don't Take be point of order. Jim uh, may say his point of order. Okay, I'm, I'm hoping I wasn't the only one that got shocked by that comment that the only reason you went to Harvard is because you were black and an athlete. No, I did not say that. I said, would that, did that end up being one of the reasons? I do not know that. I asked okay. him this. Right. I asked him this. Okay, all right. I don't mind answering. All right, so Jones says he does says he doesn't mind answering it. I'm, I'm looking at the transcript of what, the, of what McNeely said. My question, I guess, is would you have been able to maybe achieve this if you were not an athlete or a minority or any of these things, but you were a student trapped in a school that the slowest, and then he says the thing about the gazelle and the herd, and then the brightest child sometimes is held back. So is he trying to make this argument that Look, you got out because you were an athlete, you were smart, although he doesn't say smart, that's <laughs> just an athlete, and your race. So that's why you got out. But, you know, if you were uh, the, a bright kid and you're not an athlete, then you don't get into Harvard or something? Like, I'm not, I'm not, even, sure what the, I'm not even sure what this argument was or what the question was. Now, I have heard the argument, but this is an argument of, about affirmative action, and that's that's not what this debate was about. It was about the school vouchers. It was about getting kids out of failing schools. Now, because I've heard um, John McWhorter and Glenn Lowry in their podcast that they do, their YouTube uh, shows that they do together, they talk about this uh, pretty frequently, that you know, affirmative action, while initially set up for a good reason, it then undermines what it was designed for because it creates this suspicion that success wasn't achieved due to merit, right? And, and so it undermines the very core mission that you're trying to accomplish. But he doesn't make that argument either. He's not even trying to, it doesn't sound like. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, Abe Jones was an athlete. He ran track, I believe. He was a track and field guy. Um, so then... Uh, here's what Abe Jones, uh, Representative Jones, responds uh, uh, after the Speaker of the House, Tim Moore, uh, basically tells Jeff McNeely, just stop talking. <laughs> just why don't, you ta- why, don't you, uh, why don't you sit the next few plays out here, Jeff? <laughs> and then uh, here's Abe Jones. I, I just want to say that uh, I'm just going to say one thing. Harvard had five rankings for their students. One, two, three, four, five. And when I graduated from Harvard, I was in rank two. So I earned my place and I did well. That got, is a standing ovation he got, which that is usually not allowed on the floor of the house. So he got a two out of five. I, I was not aware that Harvard used a one, two, three, four, five system. <laughs> that was news to me. So he said he got two. So he earned what he got. He was, again, retired judge, um, Harvard law grad. Um, let's see, he worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District, worked for the State Attorney General's Office. Um, he was an administrative law judge. He spent decades as a Superior Court judge. Um, 
Went into private practice then, taught at UNC Chapel Hill School of Law. McNeely uh, begins to apologize, but Speaker Tim Moore then suspended his ability to talk. (laughs) Just stop talking. And then um, later on, he does get the opportunity and he comes back. Uh, and he comes back to uh, to apologize. I want to deeply apologize to Representative Jones and to this entire body. I respect Representative Jones. I think he's a great legislator. I think he's a great man. What I tried to ask or say did not come out right. <laughs> uh, no, 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 it did not. Um, whatever it was you were trying to say, please do not attempt to tell us what you were trying to say because... For the love of me, I don't know what that's going to sound like on a rehash. Um, so there was actually a little bit more. This is Brian Anderson, uh, former AP reporter. Uh, he's got a little clip of it that runs a little bit longer here. Coming from our representing McNeely is recognized to speak to a point of personal privilege. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I want to deeply apologize to Representative Jones and to this entire body. I respect Representative Jones. I think he's a great legislator. I think he's a great man. What I tried to ask or say did not come out right. That happens a lot. (laughs) And I apologize. And I look forward to talking with Representative Jones as soon as session's over to express my deep, deep, sincere apology. And I hope he accepts it. And he did. from Wilson, Representative Fontenay, right? All right. and And he did. Um... Abe Jones did accept the apology. And I accepted his apology, so I, I did and I do. However, that doesn't forgive the the, merit, the the import of the statement. So it sounds like you were content with his apology. You think you can just move forward now? And yes, absolutely. Put that behind you? I can, I can move forward. Yeah. All right. Okay, so you accept the apology. You can move forward. But I'm unclear what it was he was saying at the beginning here. And I accepted his apology. Right. So I, I did and I do. Right. However, that doesn't forgive the the merit, the the import of the statement. So it sounds like you were... That doesn't forgive the merit or import of the statement. That's the thing about forgiveness. Somebody always has to pay. Somebody pays. Either the aggrieved person, right, the victim, or the perp. Somebody pays a price. And maybe it could be shared, but somebody pays. Now, I'm not clear what exactly you say. Well, I forgive him. I forgive him. I can move forward. But there's like some other detached entity that can't forgive the merit or import of what was said. I don't know what what he's talking about there. So do you forgive him or not? Because if you forgive him, then you're like, look, I forgive him. I know he didn't mean whatever it was that how that sounded. You know, I believe him. Let's move on. And then you don't mention it anymore. There's no reason to discuss it any longer because you've forgiven him. That's. That's what it sounds like when you forgive somebody and you take on some of the cost, some of the burden of that. You pay the price. But you're actually freeing yourself, right? Because now you're not going to be beholden to these feelings of animus that you might otherwise have if you refuse to forgive him and you hold a grudge. So I'm not really clear. But, um, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Twitter is full of the outrage today over this because it proves that all Republicans are, you guessed it, racist. (laughs) Jeff McNeely's comment is proof that everybody that disagrees with the left is a racist. Also, they took the video down off of their YouTube channel. Why? 
Why, why would the General Assembly do that? What? All right, now you've heard You're me talk about them. Better. Old grouches, military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouches is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouches. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Apparently the, I know I'm shifting gears here, but the memo has gone out, says Kurt Schlichter, townhall.com. Headline, New York Times, breaking news. Oh, hang on a second. I should do this then. For breaking news, obviously. Right. Breaking news, New York Times reports that Diane Feinstein suffered previously undisclosed medical complications during her Senate absence, people close to her said. Many described it as, quote, frightening to see her operating in the Senate in her current state. So Kurt Schlichter says, up, oh, the memo has gone out. Memo has gone out. Gonna have to. Got to get her off the stage now. Got to move. Uh, right. Got to move Congressman Adam Schiff for brains into the position. I believe. Is that the is that the play? Is that the idea? Or is it Newsom? Do you move Governor Newsom? Mm. Um. Got a clip here of Feinstein. Let me see. This came from a. This came from a hearing. On Silicon Valley Bank, Senate Banking Committee hearing. Is, is it staggering? Is it a staggering responsibility that, a, the, that the head of a bank could literally could literally crash our economy? It's astonishing. That's like if you have I mean, like and, and they also realize is that 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 now they have it's in a guaranteed a guaranteed way to be saved by no again by no matter no matter by, by how you know so it's it's you know isn't it appropriate that the those kinds of the, this kind of control should be more stricter to prevent this kind of thing from going or should we just go on and start bailing and sailing whoever bank regardless of how how there's their conduct is. I'll give you an example. Uh, The Republicans want to give a a work requirement for SNAP, you know, for a a hungry family has to to have these, this kind of penalties or these some kinds of word working uh, requirements. Shouldn't you have a working requirement after we sail your bank with billions of your bank? Because they seem to be more preoccupied uh, when then SNAP uh, and requirements for works for hungry people, but not about pr- protecting the, ta- the tax papers, you know, that will bail no matter whatever does about a bank to crash it. Sure. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't Feinstein. That was, uh, that was Fetterman. 
or no, Joe Biden. No, I'm kidding. No, seriously, though, I am getting I'm getting confused as almost like that. Uh, does anybody else have a I don't know a question or two about about Fetterman and Feinstein their their ability to do the job? This was where he should have shined, right? By the way, he then uh, changed out of the suit and tie he was wearing, uh, threw on a white hoodie and some shorts, and uh, went over and stood next to some uh, uh, Democratic senators for a uh, news conference. Didn't speak, of course, but it's not getting better. You know, Fetterman is not getting better. And I don't understand why people think that this is okay to keep putting him out there to do this. If he actually became suicidal because of the lousy debate performance against Dr. Oz, that was his story, right? That he 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 went into such a depression that he became suicidal. And so he went and got help. And that's why he was out of commission, didn't show up at the U.S. Senate for the first few weeks or months, right? Every, if that's what happened when he performed so poorly, then aren't you opening him up for more of that reaction? That's what it kind of seems like, does it not? He, this is how uh, it was. This is written by American Wire News. I don't know the author. Let me see here. Who's the author of this piece? Uh, Chris Donaldson. Um, Fetterman face-planted in a tortuous round of questioning that even surpassed the unmitigated disaster of his first committee hearing last month, right after he returned to work after a two-month hiatus when he underwent treatment for clinical depression at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center, with his time in the mental ward being a possible excuse for his lack of sharpness, but there was no such excuse for Tuesday's performance. He struggled mightily with his words and thoughts, raised eyebrows by bringing up a completely unrelated issue about the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, the SNAP recipients. Um, And the CEO of SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, um, Greg Becker, didn't even attempt to answer any of these questions. Like, how could he? How could he? I don't know. I mean, at some point, you got to wonder about the people that are enabling this and uh, they're allowing this to continue. But... All right, that's a wrap. I think Brett Winnable is on location. Yeah, he's going to be. Is he at the job fair? Is it what? Oh, the Italian festival. That's right. I thought he was out there looking for a job. Well, maybe he is at the Italian festival. Okay. Stick around. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.